It's time for From the Bench with Dench with your host, Denny Dench Rittenhouse. Welcome to the inaugural episode of From the Bench with Dench, a show of Americana, pop culture, sports, movies, whatever. And uh, episode one of season one right here with you. I'm your host, Denny Dench Rittenhouse. And uh, this episode of From the Bench with Dench, we're going to kick it around with my son Justin Rittenhouse, son-in-law Tory Roots, Hey, uh, have joined us, and we're going to kick it around in Super Bowl style. Going over our, our favorite Super Bowls over the years, we're going to pick a favorite Super Bowl in uh, each decade, and then uh, maybe a runner-up as well, and uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the other Super Bowls and and why we did or didn't pick, and, and what why we picked what we did, because um, far, part of the fun of Super Bowl week is reminiscing about uh, uh, the fantastic games that have taken place over the years. No, no set rules. It doesn't have to be the most exciting game. Um, no criteria. Uh, if you're a fan of a, a team and you want to pick a, a team that was in a blowout, and as we go through the 80s and 90s, there's a ton of blowouts in Super Bowls, a very few... Uh, close games, uh, as you recall. Uh, so, so that that's fine. Uh, whatever reason you want is is what it is. Uh, and there's no set. Uh, this is uh, the absolute. Uh, there have been different series done over the years on uh, like NFL Network or something that has ranked uh, Super Bowls and 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 things like that. To, um, some of uh, the picks may coincide with that, but uh, again, it's just fun. That's the intent of this podcast is. Uh, to get away from the reality of life, and sports certainly does that as well as anything else, in um, uh, helping you escape the, the real day-to-day uh, issues and challenges that we have in this crazy world. So um, we'll start in the early years. Uh, we're not going to pick one in the 60s, fellas. Uh, we're just giving that to the New York Jets and Joe Namath um, for what he did in uh, his bravado. Um, I was an 8-year-old kid, and I remember it well. Um, yeah, I wasn't a huge football fan at the time, but um, that swept the country. But what Joe Namath did, and, and it, it was uh, in the news headlines, guaranteeing the victory of this brash young guy from the the uh, baby league, the AFL, and, and such. And so, so when he when he did the uh, guarantee, um, that caught the attention of, of a lot of people, and then. Well, I don't know if you guys saw recently where somebody, a lot of people are complaining about how much they see the Mannings on TV. And uh, every other commercial mm-hmm. involves Peyton and, and Eli. Joe Namath doubled their appearance. He was absolutely everywhere after that Super Bowl. And uh, you couldn't get away from him because there was only three channels, three networks at, at the time. It wasn't like you had cable options and... And, and crap like that, and yeah, you were stuck with it. Joe Namath's doing Noxzema and shaving commercials, and and uh, just uh, everywhere you turn, it's, it's Joe Namath. So what he did was elevate the league. I wouldn't say he got it to today's stratospheric level, but it was a giant step towards that, and, and gave the AFL instant respect in the merger which took place that, that season. Uh, a nod of the cap to the Green Bay Packers, of course, in the '60s. Um, winning the first two Super Bowls uh, like they did, and the, the trophy for the winner is actually named after uh, the great Vince Lombardi. And so, so you have to tip the cap to him, uh, but we'll give it to uh, uh, Joe Namath and, 
and uh, the New York Jets for, for what they did in the 69-70 Super Bowl. What have they done since then? Yeah, they're, they're still struggling <laughs> to find that, that magic, aren't they? <laughs> they think they got it right now with the new coach, so, so uh, we'll laugh at that again next year. <laughs> but yeah, uh, then that's a team that's really struggled to, to, to get it right uh, since then. And uh, they, they missed a golden opportunity to um, have a dominant presence in those early years. And uh, as we do that and segue into the 70s, uh, dominance is what the 70s was all about from a, a few teams. Uh, early on is the Miami Dolphins uh, appearing in three straight Super Bowls. And later on, you had uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, appeared in four Super Bowls in the second half. And in between that, they were all of them were either playing the Dallas Cowboys or the Minnesota Vikings, who each made uh, four appearances. The Cowboys might have actually made five in the 70s. So, so with that, we'll get rolling with our pick on the uh, best Super Bowls uh, in the 70s. And I'll, I'll give you guys a chance to talk and... Uh, Shut my yap up. Uh, do you have one, um, Justin, that so, st- stands out for you in the 70s? So, basically, it, when you're talking 70s and 80s, I didn't see any of these. I didn't see any of them. I don't <clears> know <throat> many of the players who played. So, what I kind of did was, tr- I immediately, it was 70s, I immediately thought Steelers, just knowing that it's the Steelers. I knew the Cowboys were good in the 70s. So I picked the closest game that the Cowboys lost because I like that the Cowboys lost and the Steelers beat them. So it was the 79 Super Bowl where uh, Steelers were up by, uh, oh, I don't know, 17 or so uh, going into the fourth quarter after they had scored 14 unanswered points. And then Cowboys uh, score a touchdown, recover an onside kick, score another touchdown, and then heartbreakingly uh, don't recover the, the second onside of kick kick and uh, lose that game in, in a very tight fashion and what, you know, all every Cowboys fan's hopes were dashed at the last minute thinking that they were going to pull off uh, an incredible yeah. comeback. So, that, so, so it's a great pick and then one I share with you. I, do you have a different one or is that the game you landed on? Um, I didn't land on a specific 70s. I just, I didn't, uh, forgive me with my 70s homework, I didn't really study up on the 70s but growing up I mean I was obviously born in the 70s I didn't really I was really young but the Steelers just were that's all I heard about was the Steelers and Terry Bradshaw so unfortunately I, I don't have a game but just the Steelers the Steelers would be the dominant and I, and I knew so little going in that I was l- trying to look up the uh, immaculate reception I was like what Super Bowl was that in yeah. wasn't even a Super Bowl right. that's how little I knew about yeah. what took place in the 70s and I, so. I, 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 trust me audience uh, we'll gain credibility back as, as we get to the uh, but to the 80s and 90s but but can I ask was there an, uh, an absolutely uh, great catch was it Lynn Swan in the Super Bowl yeah. that he caught? Was that the '79 Super Bowl? Because they were in, they were in. Yeah, I think it was the next year that Swan had the great catch because yeah. Swan was injured heading into the uh, game against the the Rams. The next year, he was injured for most of the season and, and had a concussion in the in the uh, playoffs, and so they weren't sure if he was going to play in the Super Bowl. And I think that was the game where he. He had some uh, spectacular stuff. Yeah. Um, so so I, I share that same game. The Cowboys-Steelers game is my pick for the best uh, Super Bowl of that decade. My runner-up has to go to the 72 Dolphins. 
and, and what they accomplish um, uh, yeah. is just. Now that said, they were in my mind a very boring team. Uh, there's nothing about them that that stands out to me, uh, other than gritty football. I mean, they they uh, ran the ball down your throat with Larry Zonka and Jim Kick as in the backfield, uh, two tough guys. Um, I I equate that '72 Dolphins team to Larry Holmes in boxing. Larry Holmes was a great boxer, but he didn't beat anybody, and, uh-huh. and, and you know he and it was all a matter of timing. He came along after the uh, uh, powerful 70s, which had Ali and Frazier and Norton Foreman. and Foreman. And, and Holmes is beating up on these guys in their geriatric stage of their career. And, and uh, there's no new heavyweights coming along until later in the 80s when Holmes is becoming the old guy. And uh, he, he just he, he rolled right through it in boxing. Um, uh, for, for quite a few years because of the timing. I think that's what happened to the Dolphins in 72. There were just no great teams around, and they just beat everybody by 7, 10 points every week. And the Super Bowl is no exception. That was a dog of a Super Bowl. The most famous play in that Super Bowl, and uh, maybe you've seen it, is, is the Garo Premium uh, kick. Dolphins are up 14 to nothing. They, they go for a field goal with a couple minutes left in the game, and the it's a bad snap, and the premium, the kicker, picks it up and tries to pass it, and it just slips oh, yeah. out of his hand, goes straight up, intercepted for a touchdown. And the Redskins, if, if they would have, um, yeah, this is the Redskins. They run it back, and they don't get the onside kick. So instead of uh, just falling on the ball and icing the victory, the premium makes a bonehead play. Yeah, but the Dolphins still hold on and, and go 17-0. and 0. So, so you got to tip the hat to them for, for that accomplishment. Imagine 25% of that team has died now. And they went to their grave knowing they're the last team to go undefeated uh-huh. in the NFL. And uh, today it's a big story. Uh, you, you hear as about soon it. As, as, as soon, soon as, as the team last loses, team. Pop the champagne. Pop the champagne yeah. yeah, pop the champagne. And so, so how cool is that for... For uh, uh, the ones still hanging around to, to be able to say that, and it, it just shows how difficult and how even the NFL is and has become over the years. So, tip of the hat to the '72 Dolphins. Uh, you got to give a nod to the Vikings. Um, uh, bless their heart, they they got there every other year in the '70s. Bud Grant, a great coach, uh, did it with some uh, not so good talent. Did it with some great talent, but could never never get over the hump of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, Dallas made a, a bunch of appearances, but but that Super Bowl you picked, Justin, with uh, Pittsburgh in, against Dallas. A couple things about that one that I remember. Um, uh, one is the amount of Hall of Famers on the field in that game is astonishing. 17 Hall of Famers uh, played in that game. Obviously, they weren't them, but in, in hindsight, they had 17 Hall of Famers playing on that on that team. If you count the coaching staff in the front office, twenty five Hall of Famers played. Tony Dungy was a defensive back on the on the Steelers. He's not in as a player. He's in as a coach. You had Mike Dicka as an assistant coach on Dallas. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and and he's in there as a tight end in in football as a player. Perhaps gets his due as a coach at some point for for the the great eighty five team. Uh, so, so that's that's one thing that jumps out at me. But as a St. Louis and growing up, um, what the Cowboys did uh, to dagger us fans, 
you know, you, you hated everybody in your division. Yeah, um, we never worried much about the Giants or the Eagles in the seventies. They kind of suck all all through. The, <laughs> but you hated the Redskins and the Cowboys, uh, right? And so, so when the Cowboys lured Hall of Famer Jackie Smith out of retirement, and uh, he signed with the Cowboys, that was like one. Uh, how could you do this to us, Jackie? In hindsight, as a as a teenager, that's how I felt. And hind felt. In hindsight, it's like I get it. Real quick, while you're going with the Jackie Smith, is that when he dropped the touchdown in the Super Bowl? Is that the '79 the Super same Bowl? One. That's the same one. Oh yeah, my gosh! Absolutely. So, so, so we're we're like you know just totally devastated that he signed with Dallas. Then he gets in the Super Bowl, and you're like, God, I love Jackie Smith, but I don't want to root for the Cowboys. And so when he drops the pass, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, Justin, but towards the end of the third quarter. Roger Staubach finds a wide open Jackie Smith in the end zone, throws it slightly behind him, and Jackie has to reach back a little bit, but the ball still hits him right here and just bounces off. In the end zone. It it, it would have given the Cowboys the lead, and they never really recovered from that. Uh, They made it close, like you you pointed out, towards the end, but uh, that game potentially takes a much different turn. And... uh, as much as we hated Jackie joining the Cowboys, I remember the feeling I got watching him drop it. I just was, I was heartbroken. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this, was, this was a hero in St. Louis. Uh, Bernie wore his number playing high school football. He was right. 81. And so, so that's my brother for, for listeners in, in high school. So when Jackie dropped that, but in hindsight, We'll live with the theory he did that on purpose to make sure the Cowboys didn't get that Super Bowl. So, so we got to look at it like that. But there was another uh, interesting bit to that game too, and that was uh, it was I got to look at his name because I I didn't know him. Uh, the Cowboys huh. linebacker Thomas Henderson, Hollywood Henderson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was going to bring that one up too. <laughs> Colin, he called he called Bradshaw an idiot and said he couldn't spell cat, and then. Bradshaw wouldn't well, say well, it. Well, he said, if you gave him the C and the A, that Hoosier couldn't spell cat. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and then after the game, they asked Bradshaw about that. What did he yeah. say? He said, he, his quote was, uh, ask if ask him if I can spell MVP. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the thing about Bradshaw. I, I, you can look at number. He's not in the Hall of Fame for his career numbers. Uh, he's there because they just win, and and and, and when you you have that that winning um, pedigree like he does, you accept the fact he throws twenty five interceptions a season. You know, it's like that. They still finish twelve and four. You know, it's it's a it's a that that was the thing with Bradshaw is, is he was a winner, and um, uh, he he hated. When refs in the NFL changed rules to protect the quarterback, he was like, "Hey, we're we're a player just like everybody else, you know." So so he didn't. Uh, so I always liked him for for those kind of reasons. But uh, but yeah, you picked up on uh, on the other thing I was going to look at there. But then that, that game uh, with the number of Hall of Famers, it was uh, easily the closest game, excitement wise. There was a, a a field goal win in the uh, uh, Baltimore. Cowboys game earlier in the 70s where Johnny Unitas got his, his Super Bowl ring. But uh, that game was horrible. It had uh, 10 or 11 turnovers in it. It just 
It, it was terrible. So, so yeah, I'm with you on the uh, Pittsburgh-Dallas game. Uh, Pittsburgh wins again the next year to cap off their run of four and six years. Um, in between there in the 70s, Cowboys get uh, two Super Bowls. They beat the, the Dolphins before Miami uh, gets two victories. And then uh, they beat Denver back in 77 and uh, that arch crush defense that Denver had. And uh, a, a good a young Tony Dorsett um, helped lead the Cowboys to, to that Super Bowl victory. He was a rookie that season. The only, the only player, I think, to this day to win a national championship one year, which he did with Pitt, and then win the Super Bowl the next year. And so, wow. so winning, uh, uh, Joe Burrow came close if he wins this week. He, uh, not quite, not quite the, the same uh, year gap in there. So, and uh, the ironic thing is he did it in the same stadium. Dorsett played the national championship, mythical back then in, in college football, but in the Sugar Bowl, and that's where the, the uh, Super Bowl happened to be held in, in his uh, rookie season. So interesting little tidbit there for, for uh, Cowboy fans. And then uh, John Madden got a Super Bowl win there in the 70s, uh, beating up on the, the Vikings. And so, so a, a fun decade that kind of kicked things off uh, for the NFL to, to go to that next stratosphere, which uh, they overtook baseball as the national pastime by the end of the, uh, of the 70s, in, uh, in large part due to what Joe Namath did early on. And then uh, Pittsburgh and, and, and Dallas... Uh, you got to nod to Dallas. That's when they became America's team because they're they're winning every other year um, in the seventies. So that brings us to the nineteen eighties. Um, a lot of blowouts in the eighties. They they saw a transition of dominance from uh, one team to another. And Tori, I'm sure you're familiar with who that team is. Oh yeah, I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, uh, so, so in, in the eighties, um, a couple things jump out at me with with the uh, with the Forty ers and, and Joe Montana taking hold, <laughs> getting chills just thinking about oh, it, yeah. huh? Oh yeah. Um, but there was also a couple stellar teams in the middle of all that that, that jump out at me too. And uh, arguably, the '85 Bears were one of the the greatest NFL teams ever for a season. And uh, uh, that was followed up the next year by the New York Giants, who had uh, an impressive team with uh, Lawrence Taylor leading the way. Um, so, so those two kind of jump out at me a little bit uh, in the 80s, but it, it was basically all about the, the uh, 49ers, in, in my mind, and uh, a couple bookends at the beginning and the end of the decade that, that uh, sets the tone in the 80s. Anything offhand, Justin? So uh, I, I knew... Tory would be joining today, so I figured the Niners would be covered. So my thought was, my thought was the Bears because there's so many faces on that team that I remember mostly because they did hype themselves up and wearing Super Illinois. Bowl we, yeah, we we all knew that that was, you know, that was the team right. we rooted for around here. Um, even though, you know, it's in Chicago, nobody likes Chicago. Um, the, the other thing that, uh, the other game that I picked out, um, as, as kind of off, off key, it's not the best Super Bowl game. As a matter of fact, it was a 38 to nine blowout of the Raiders just 
walloping the Redskins. Um, but that was the year that 1984 won't be like 1984, and you got the Big Brother commercial from Apple, and that was the best Super Bowl commercial of all time. <laughs> so that yeah. Super Bowl sticks out. So that's uh, that. That was one of those things that uh, you know. It, I, I know nothing about the game, but I've seen that commercial 50 times. Uh-huh. So it's that it, it, it kind of made it stick out so, a little bit. For so me you too. go back to that Bears. Um, Super Bowl, and that was that was my runner up for the for the decade because of that team and how good that team was. When you look at it, uh, dotted with the Hall of Famers they had, uh, Jim Covert uh, uh, on the offensive line, Walter Payton, sweetness of course, uh, now uh, NFL Man of the Year named after him. Uh, that's how good he was. Dan Hampton was a monster on, on uh, the defensive line. Richard Dent and Mike Singletary on on that defense, just animals. Uh, the Fridge Perry, um, uh, he obviously uh, a big guy in the middle, and then they throw him in at, at fullback and on offense every now and then. In fact, that's part of the controversy of this game. I don't know if you recall this, but uh, um, Walter Payton didn't score in this mm-hmm. game, in spite of all them points. And uh, some of the Bears fans or, or football fans thought it was a bit of an insult for Dicka to hand the ball to Perry. Mm-hmm. Perry on a, a goal line situation instead of uh, uh, Peyton and, yeah. and let him get his chance to score in the Super Bowl and the, the fridge took it in and so so I, I don't think Dicka looked at it in that same lens I think he's like this is our best chance to get it in which, mm-hmm. our, our, which they had done a few times yeah. he was uh, a throughout the season yeah. it was going to take a lot to yeah, a big that, boy. That, that team was so popular, they, they found their way, not just because of the, well, probably mostly because of the Super Bowl shuffle, they found their way into pop culture oh, yeah. like, like teams really hadn't, <clears throat> like you said, Joe Namath did, but whole teams didn't, and you watch movies like The Princess Bride, you've got the Bears poster right there in the background with the Bears cap right there, you've got uh, the, the whole SNL skit with the super fans where, you know, they, they talk about Jordan and stuff, but it's not Bears, not Dick, Bears. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. Dick, Dick, yeah. Those, the, the, Dick, those yeah. things crept in because of, right you know, the, the fanatical behavior of the Bears fans and, and what happened in 85, that became a parody that lived on decades later that they still, yeah. they still have super fan. Uh, well, just even, skins. even the Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah. That the music video that yeah. was on every station, it was on MTV, yep. and I'm not gonna lie to you, I jumped on the Bears bandwagon. It was on all the time. <laughs> yeah. I bought. I think I had the 45 record. I <laughs> I was a Bears fan that year. I mean, who yeah. could not like that team? Yeah, I mean, it was more a very likable team. And and when you have um, Jim McMahon, the quarterback, uh, yeah. throwing you know, on them shades, just throwing on the shades, cool. the headbands, he had a message stuff. on them and stuff. I mean, like, yeah. nothing political messages, but I mean, it just yeah, nothing. And he had enough talent um, to to make things happen on that offense. They weren't known for their their offensive uh, high power output uh, by any stretch of the imagination, and so. Um, a guy, a personality like McMahon uh, certainly helped. He was like um, a Hulk Hogan of, of football. He had that over over the top showman mm-hmm. kind of bravado that 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 right. and along that same timeline of the WWF oh, yeah. taking off, Take off. The Bears kind of followed that same path of, of you know right. getting 
getting in with pop culture the way wrestling did with Cindy Lauper and you know bringing yeah. in musicians and stuff. The Bears, were like, hey, right? Works. Yeah, they and they they worked cool. the MTV angle good yeah. um, with with that, and uh, and it was hot in the eighties. MTV was, and so so they they did that nicely. Um, the, my own personal story on this Super Bowl: We were stationed uh, living up in Maine at the time, um, and and I had a really good friend uh, uh, I was uh, stationed with. that was a a diehard Boston guy, and, and he was a diehard New England guy, mm. uh, Patriots fan, <laughs> and that's who the Bears played in '85. We forget that uh, for the most part. Now, I I like the Bears when you. In the military, you kind of gravitate more towards where you're from, and so Bears being an Illinois team, I, I was easily on that bandwagon. But New England's quarterback was Tony Eason, who was a, a fighting Illini a quarterback in the same draft class with Marino and, and Blackledge and, and the other guys. Oh, the, in, the 83 in, class? 83 class. Elway so and... Champagne Tony was in there. And so he's the quarterback, so I, I, I was in the, I really don't care who wins this game. But Jeff Hickey, the guy I was stationed with, I'm having a Super Bowl party at the house. He's getting all fired up. We've been drinking a couple of hours, and uh, we're all sitting around. They're getting ready for kickoff, and he's like, New England's receiving the kickoff. And uh, Jeff was a big Husky dude, uh, very boisterous, kind of looked like Fred Flintstone. And uh, uh, Jeff, if you're listening, I mean that with all sincerity. Um, (laughs) he jumps up just seconds before kickoff $50 they run it back to the 50 (laughs) I'm there Jeff (laughs) you just solidified who I'm for (laughs) they they get the kickoff and uh, whoever was returned the kick got it to the 10 yard line so he hands me it might have been 20 bucks I I don't remember uh, inflation will say it's 50 so and then they just went downhill from there. The Patriots actually scored on their first drive uh, a field goal, and then Bears scored like 40 unanswered. It was, uh, it was fun. Um, so, so a great team there. Um, uh, uh, not a bad pick. Uh, uh, not, the, not the most exciting Super Bowl, unless, of course, you are the Bears fan, and then a, 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 a nice pick. Tori, where are you at? Which, well, which of the four? I, well, if I can, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to talk real quick about the one Justin brought up, there's a, a story, the 83 Super Bowl with the Raiders and the Redskins. My dad, who was a diehard Redskins fan, um, actually the Redskins, I believe, beat the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl that year. And I was just really becoming, I mean, I was, the Niners, I was a fan before that, obviously, a couple of years I was starting to understand football and the Niners were my team. I was devastated. They lost. I was mad. I was 83. I was seven. But I mean, I was really, I mean, football, we love football. We watch football all the time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm so mad. I'm rooting for the Raiders in the Super Bowl. (laughs) My sister, me, and my mom rooted for the Raiders against my dad. And obviously, you just said the score a little bit ago. What was the final score? 38 to 9 or 30? It was a butt kicking. And looking back now, I mean, he took it in stride. I mean, obviously, yeah. but, you know, it wasn't much of a game. They got their butts kicked. But, like, looking back now, if, you know, how I'm a 49er fan and my kids like the 49ers, but, like, when the Chiefs were in it, like, a couple years ago, I think they wanted to root for the Chiefs, too. And looking back, I kind of I was thinking, man, what a 
dick moved <laughs> up and started rooting against my dad. You know, and I was thinking if my kids were rooting against me, but they never did, my kids, but then thinking back, you know, like, oh, well, I guess that might have not been the right thing to do, but that's a Super Bowl I was going to talk about. Was That's one that sticks yeah. out a lot, and I just, I mean, it was on Easy Street where we lived. I just I just remember those whole, those whole Super Bowl Sundays, like where, where we were sitting and where he was sitting and just wasn't much of a game, but I was bitter that, I mean, if I, don't, I, I think I double-checked, but the Redskins, I think, beat the Niners in the NFC Championship game that 83 year. And I think it was a pretty close game. It might have been like a three- or four-point game, but I was I was mad anyway. 24-21. Yeah. Mark Mosley kicking the game winning field goal at 40 seconds to go. I might have been in tears after they lost. I'm not kidding you. I'm a pretty diehard Niner fan and a little sensitive at times, but uh, but yeah, and then the Bears, I was going to talk about the 85, about like you guys all touched about, you know, just how they were everywhere you turn. They were on magazines. Hell, I think they, did they have, were they on cereal boxes? I'm sure they were on Wheaties. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they were. Maybe. And I was a big Walter Payton fan. I mean, you, how could you not like Payton? Yeah. I mean, what a great running back he was. And if you're a football fan, you know, you just like number 34. I mean, yeah. So it was that was a great team. But the Super Bowl I most want to talk about in the 80s is the 1988 Super Bowl, Niners versus Bengals. I was a uh, seventh grader. And you talking about your, your uh, guy, your betting money uh, – uh, I, I've told you guys this story before, but uh, a guy bet me, a kid bet me in, in junior high $5 that the Bengals would win, and of course I took it, and of course I didn't have a dime to my name, and uh, what a great game that was. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I did tell my dad that I bet $5 because he would have been super pissed at me because he'd have to give me the 5 bucks. but uh, I mean... Joe Montana leading the, leading the team down in the fourth quarter, down, I guess, 16-13 with, what, three minutes to go? And it, it was, was a just, hell of a drive. Yeah, it was. And it was, I mean, just knowing, obviously, them winning the Super Bowl was like, oh, good, I don't have to come up with $5. But just just the dramatic form and the... Did he pay up? Did the junior high? You know what? I don't think I ever got the money. <laughs> I really don't. Who was that bet with? His name's Danny McNeely. I don't Danny know where McNeely. he's at, but uh, if you ever hear this, Danny, I, there's a thing. Because that's I think now $38 you own. Interest in 1988. How long ago was that? That was uh, 30. Yeah. I, I, ended up the on, I ended up on the same game um, with, with the uh, Niners. And mainly because I remember that drive so vividly and, and, and how impressed I was with what, what Montana did. I was always a Montana fan you know, from, from the Notre Dame years. Um, I hooked on to him there because he went to Notre Dame and Jerome Heavens, my, one of my boyhood idols, played football for the Assumption Pioneers uh, here in the local um, Metro East St. Louis area. Um, I used to go up and watch Jerome play in high school football, and he went to Notre Dame, and so I fell in love with Notre Dame then, and uh, Joe Montana was his, his quarterback for, for, I think, the last two seasons he was up there, uh, at least one, and so so I, I, I was always a, a somewhat of a Montana fan, and then when he came in in the early 80s, um, I, I, you know, he, he, he laid the groundwork. Uh, for what he did uh, throughout the 80s uh, uh, right away. 
Very similar to when uh, Bird Magic came in the NBA. He they dominated pretty quickly. Montana was year three. He wins the Super Bowl um, and uh, uh, does it in, in a, a very workmanlike manner um, and, and adopting to the uh, Bill Walsh. Um, Innovative, inventive style of uh, football. West Coast offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know and that was fairly new, obviously back then. Um, so if you get a chance to watch the documentary on uh, Peacock Network with uh, Joe Montana, uh, I encourage you to to check it out. There's some pretty cool stuff in there on uh, um, his career through the '80s there in in, in San Francisco. Right. Yeah, and. Uh, Selfishly, in that game, when they had that drive, I mean, Jerry Rice, also one of the, I guess, is he still the GOAT in, in today's society? Well, definitely the receiver. I yeah. Put, I put well, Brady, I guess Brady. they did They did a, uh, I don't know, a poll of some sort through, you know, all the players, and he was the GOAT. But, uh, I mean, he was... Uh, he was the MVP of that Super Bowl, and I think he had 11 catches over 200 yards. Yep. But then everybody, I guess, was expecting Montana to hit Rice in the, or in the with the touchdown or in the end zone. It was John Taylor, who was also a great, I guess, the second wide receiver on that team. I mean, also, you know, were the... Were the Bengals favored to win that? Do you remember? Because I know they were hyping on. The, remember Icky yeah. Woods and the Icky Shuffle. Yeah, the it was Shuffle. they were that was starting to be a, a household household thing. And yeah, they, I, I know they the played off. There. They actually played off the Bears in their their Super Bowl Shuffle, and uh, so they they were trying to tap into that pop culture card, mm-hmm. if you would. Right. Um, I don't know that they were favored. Um, I can't imagine, but maybe they were, but. But also, notedly, uh, Sam Weich, 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 he was a disciple of Bill Walsh too, wasn't he? Yeah. So I mean, those two. I mean, it was just kind of a, it's a cool Super Bowl with, you know. Yeah, you start seeing more and more that coaching tree take place as as the years go on. Well, then the next year, obviously, when the Niners. They they stomped the Broncos. What was it? Fifty five to ten. I almost went with that game because of uh, how impressive um, the overall team was. The Niners, and, and that yeah. was that was a Super Bowl party at seven oh four. That was our first big Super Bowl party. I yeah, we had everybody over. We had little license plates for each team, like hanging up across the thing, and I had Niners little license plate hanging in my bedroom for years after that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was. That, I was going to talk about that one too, but just, I mean, the 80s, that's when really I was starting to get into the, into football. And my dad was, like I said, Redskin fan. Everybody thought him growing up in Highland, he would have been a football Cardinal fan, but he wasn't. You know, normally when you grow up, you kind of root for your dad's team. And, you know, that's it. But then I, Montana was always, it seemed like the Niners were on TV when I was early 80s. Well, they and, were on a lot because and, because of the you know they always pick up on the Super Bowl teams right to, and to show just that was who I latched on to and that's who I just always followed and always been a fan and then you know they beat the Bengals earlier that year too when I I, I kind of remember watching that I was five I mean that was a long time ago but the earlier they, in the decade I mean no, yeah the, the early eighties yeah. that was a close game too it was yeah, like yeah it was and. Yeah. 
you know, it just seemed like any time Montana got into the Super Bowl, you, I, I, it just felt me he was going to win, and he's he won what he was four and zero. Well, that that earlier one I also had listed in my my runner up, but that was more for for some of the personnel that were in that game. When I mentioned Eric Wright, he was in the later games too. So uh, I think I think this uh, one we picked the second Bengals game was Eric's last game uh, in the NFL, but he was a defensive back. Uh, mm-hmm. On the opposite side from Ronnie Lott, uh, went to Assumption High School um, uh, in, in East St. Louis, and so uh, he was my brother Gary's class. Um, played basketball as well, and Gary's good friend Matt was a captain on that team. Uh, obviously, knew Eric real well, and so so I had a connection somewhat um, with with Eric Wright. So I, I kind of tapped into the Niners because of Montana. And Eric Wright. Sure. And then they're playing the Bengals, who had Kenny Anderson at quarterback, who uh, went to Augustana University up in the Quad Cities. And so, so you got uh, another Illinois connection. And I was a, a, a fan of that because a guy off our, our football team in high school went to Augustana. And so, hmm. doing my research on where, where Mike Stricker was going to college, I, you know, I was like, hey, that's where Kenny Anderson went. Uh-huh. Okay, now I like Augustana. I haven't followed the squat since then. But, <laughs> uh, so I had that connection, though, in that Super Bowl, so, so it was appealing uh, uh, to me. So, uh, and then the, the other one I touched on a little bit was the, the Giants team and the, that followed that Bears team. They were almost clones of each other. God, I hated that team. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, I did. I just hated the Giants. Yeah. I mean, personally, I did. Well, you had some battles with them uh, yeah. over the years. The Giants and Niners had some epic battles, and so, uh, um, but, but that was a that was a, a great team uh, with some some great defenders on them. Um, when you you look at the yeah, LTE and uh, Harry Carson, Carl Banks, Carl Banks, Harry yeah, he was a monster. Uh, these guys were all household names right. on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Uh, a really good team uh, and beat a Denver team that, that made frequent appearances and uh, didn't win much you know, mm-hmm. until later in Elway's career. Yeah, absolutely. See, I was always, I, I always liked the, how Elway played too, you know, and I was hoping they would win that year. And obviously they, they got spanked too, didn't they? It was, it was kind of a. Yeah, that was one of the blowouts, 39 20. Yeah. And I just, I, for some reason, I just never cared for Phil Sims. And maybe it's just him being a giant. I don't know. I, I don't mind. Yeah, it probably all. had to do with that. I just did not care for. Has that but, changed? I mean, as I grow, I mean, I don't, I don't he's, care. He's, he's all right. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. He's and not then, one of my favorites. I him. did like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Denny, was the running back at that time for the Giants, Otis Anderson? That was Our, the next Super Bowl. The next Super Bowl. That was their okay. next one in uh, uh, 91. Yeah. Uh, OJ was wrapping up his career. Uh, okay. He went to the Giants right after that Super Bowl year in uh, uh, 87. Um, I think 88 might have been his first yeah. year. Might have been 89. Uh, and he, was, he used to be on the Cardinals. He was on the Cardinals, yeah. yeah. So I always liked how he played, too. I, I, I liked him. but Yeah. You know how you just pick up on certain players you like. Whatever. Whatever. But yeah, I just I just hated the Giants. If I hadn't said that. So so we get into the next one now. So we'll we'll go with the the Bears and the Niners um, uh, team there. Um, Niners getting a slight edge in this roundtable. 
but uh, good selections there for, for just the minimal number of close games. Uh, just a blowout after blowout. Doesn't change much in the 90s uh, as far as the um, uh, scores go in, in some of these Super Bowls. Uh, just a, a, a lot of blowouts. <clears throat> but there were a couple close games, and so we'll start with you, Tori. When you get into the 90s, you, you got some dominant teams, and the, the, the Dallas Cowboys make a uh, their stand with uh, their their great Hall of Famers early in the uh, decade, winning three Super Bowls in the in the uh, first five years of the nineties, yeah. six years, and so so uh, uh, they're certainly a dominant team. The Niners continue to win in the nineties, but uh, I, mean, I think I I know for a fact where I end up as far as my favorite team there. But but where would you end up as far as favorite? Uh, your favorite the nineties, your favorite Super Bowl of the nineties. Um. Well, God, there's three that stand out that I was going to talk about, but uh, I, I guess I'm just—I'll just being the 49er fan. I guess I'll go with the the '94 Super Bowl. Just the fact that that Steve Young was just—he was so close, so many years against the Cowboys in the NFC Championship, couldn't get that win. He finally gets to the Super Bowl, and I mean, I remember, I think the Sports Illustrated even said when they won, the monkey off his back. I mean, it kind of made him that probably would have went to the Hall of Fame without the Super Bowl, I would assume, but he had great numbers, but that was just, it kind of solidified him as a great a great quarterback, I guess, but getting that win and... Well, yeah, a phenomenal game, too. Right, and I was a freshman in college, and... I was I went at Illinois State, which were pretty you know favored with Cowboy or excuse me, Bears fans, and the Bears hate the Niners, and the Niners hated the Bears with some battles. So I was up there with my 49er gear on on them in the dorm on that Sunday night in Manchester, and they put on a show against the Chargers. That was a fun team to watch too. I mean, with with Ricky Waters and Jerry Rice and. You know, young and the defense just—it was just a fun, fun game. And for me, I mean, it's a butt kicking, but yeah, fifty. Yeah. No, it was, was an impressive was it, performance. What was the uh, final? What was it fifty? I don't know if it, it, it. They beat him pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was like 55, 49, 25. Right, but uh, yeah, it was six touchdowns for. Young, yeah, three for Jerry Rice. <laughs> so, so yeah, an impressive uh, performance for for the Niners. Right, um, Justin. I hope you save us though for this decade. And uh, well, well, I know I was also I, knew, I was also, I was also at ISU for for the best Super Bowl of the '90s, which was actually played in 2000. Right, but we're, we're, oh, the yeah. season was uh, <laughs> it falls in that decade. Yeah, right. gotcha. Well, that, yeah, I was. I created show on turn. I figured you were gonna. <laughs> that was one of what I was gonna talk about myself. Um, that ahead. was that was just an unbelievable season. It was incredibly electric. Everybody uh, at ISU, like you said, it's Bears. It's you know, it's it's Vikings, Bears, or Packers. It's oh, somebody yeah. up north, and right. it's, and that's who everybody at ISU was mm-hmm. for. Uh, who everybody up but I actually liked. Nobody liked the Rams except me, and man, I got to rub it in oh, yeah. so much. It was it was great. It was fantastic. It was especially just how the game ended. Yeah, that Mike Jones tackle. That, yeah. I mean, it was just yeah. There there's a lot of a lot of fun things um, 
um, go into that. You know, before I dive into the greatest show on turf, um, uh, what else happened in that decade? Uh, it's a bookend decade as far as the close games. Yeah. Well, we had the um, um, uh, Giants beating the Bills um, on the first Super Bowl in, I, in the 90s with uh, the, uh, Norwood Nor missing the yeah, field. Good. That's what I was going to was gonna be the one I was going to talk about because that yeah. was... That was a dramatic ending because that was yeah. how the game ended. Yeah, I was, I was, I was glad that he missed that. I didn't want the Bills to win. The next year, I didn't want the Bills to win. The next year, I didn't want the Bills to win. And that fourth year is like, God, I kind of hope they win. I feel really bad for them. And I, then, then I, I was like, oh, yeah. I think I wanted the Bills to win every year except against the the Redskins because I know again I my dad was. I, I rooted for the Redskins that year, but yeah, you kind of had to feel sorry for the Bills. That, I mean, four years in a row. And, and it was actually two years in a row that I didn't root for them. And then the last two years, I did root for Well, they for played them. the Cowboys. They were playing the Cowboys. Right. So and, was, yeah. I, and the Cowboys <laughs> beat the Niners in the NFC, I think, both times? 94? Yeah, I believe so. Those were, those were the years that Young was trying to get in 93 and 94. Or, excuse me, 92 and 93. Yep. Thirty and if, twenty, yeah. Yeah, so I obviously I, I way back when I was growing up because my dad hate, was a nine, uh, Redskins fan. You hate the Cowboys yeah. because they were rivals. So I always hated the Cowboys. Then the Cowboys and Niners had their battles, and I had friends that were Cowboy fans, and we'd go back and forth. And yeah, the, and then they beat the Niners in the nineties there to go to the Super Bowl. And yeah. I never had a problem with the Bills, and I, I'd really like to see. I wish Jim Kelly could have won one, but. But yeah, I was going to talk about that was the '90s. That that was one the the Niners, and then obviously I was going to mind the the '99 Super Bowl, which the Rams. But you you look at uh, what uh, else jumps out at me is the number of quarterbacks, uh, marquee quarterbacks that got that got their victory in the '90s. You you and you look at Troy Aikman did it three times. You know he gets his. Steve Young gets his. Brett Favre Mark gets his, his, John Elway gets his, twice. Kurt Warner gets his, and so so you had. I mean, you got Jeff Hostetler getting one with the Giants, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, in some sense, that was a, a Nick Foles kind of effort, right? right? So oh, yeah. he steps in in what week nine, week ten, uh, fills in for for Phil yeah. Sims and. Uh, well, at the at the time in '99, you kind of thought that same thing about oh, Warner, who's stepping in. And by the time he got to Super Bowl, you're like, "This guy's for real. He's right. Yeah, he's fantastic." Yeah. But so so the but yeah, that greatest show on turf. And, and um, I remember sitting in my living room at 7:04 um, on a Friday afternoon. My brother-in-law's in town. He's getting ready to head out to Vegas the next day. This is preseason week number three. Um, Trent Green was still I the starting him, quarterback. He was still healthy. <laughs> I give him twenty bucks or ten bucks to throw on a. Hey, just throw this on the uh, the Rams while you're out there in Vegas. He was going out to Vegas the next day to to visit some family, and so uh, uh, you know I give him the money. Didn't think much of it, and then uh, that night. Uh, cheap shot artist Rodney Harrison takes out Trent Green in the knees in a meaningless playoff or a preseason game, and uh, he's out for the year. And um, uh, my initial thought was, who's our backup quarterback? I didn't even know at the time. And I, I was a pretty diehard fan. And uh, somebody said Kurt Warner, and I was like, God oh, damn, the running back from Seattle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he played earlier in the 90s and uh, was out of football by then, but uh, obviously it wasn't him. 
And um, Kevin calls me, my brother-in-law calls me the next day from Vegas and says, Hey, heard what happened. You still want me to put this money on or I can send it back to you? It's nah, I'm behind what Dick Vermeil said. We're going to rally around Kurt Warner. Go ahead and put it on. Uh, I said that knowing I had just pissed away $10. But uh, he, he sent me the ticket. And um, I, I kept that ticket in my wallet all season long. Took it to to uh, pep rallies and stuff that we went to. <laughs> Smash, Smash got a look at it in one of the, the Ram pep rallies and said, here's a guy who's got faith. And uh, uh, I'll be darned if I didn't get the cash that baby in. 75 to 1, I got my $750 check. <laughs> Bought this Bose radio right behind you uh, with it. Actually, that's the second Bose since then. I upgraded my Bose after winning a year in fantasy football. Uh, so, so it's still... Postseason related, uh, uh, football related, that I have that Bose radio. So that's the every time I look at the radio, I um, brief brief memory of the greatest show on turf comes in. But uh, oh, what fun that team was! Uh, even as a uh, a Niner fan, you had to um, admire the the way the the Rams stormed over the. the oh league. well. Nineteen-year-old me got a, a case of Ice House at ISU waiting for me, so it's kind of like a Bose thing at seven hundred fifty bucks. When you're nineteen and you get that good five percent, oh yeah, full Ice House yeah, extra beer, check, you can take it. Yeah, <laughs> it's an I uh, win for me too. I'll tell you what, I John Gould took me to a his grandpa, I believe, had season tickets to the Rams game, Rams in, in the end zone and. I think the I, he took me to a Niners game, and I believe the Niners had beat the Rams, gosh, I want to say 16 or 17 straight times. Is that right, Denny? Yeah. So I go into the TWA Dome with my Jerry Rice jersey on, all confident, going, I think it was maybe week four or five at that time. I, I, I can't remember exactly. And they <laughs> put a whooping on the Niners, and... Obviously, you heard about the whole uh, the bathroom incident. Our audience yeah. has. Well, uh, <laughs> so I halftime. I think that the Niners are down maybe twenty three to three, or it was it was an onslaught, and I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, well, you know, second half will come back out. Well, I go to the bathroom with my my buddy, and we walk into the the Johns, and it, it's it's a packed house, and. I'm waiting to use the urinal, and some Ram fan turns around from getting done, and he comes up to me and starts yelling at me, calls me everything but a white man, and I just sit there and take it, and uh, unbeknownst to me, my buddy who took me to the game, John, is a couple guys behind me in another line, and he yells out at the top of his lungs, yeah, let's kick his ass. <laughs> the whole... Uh, restroom lights up and they are yelling everything at me and it was I, I honestly god thought I was gonna get get my ass kicked and I look at John I said John you're gonna get me killed and he's laughing and everybody they're yelling at me and booing me calling me every name in the book telling me to go back to San Francisco you can imagine what they're all yelling I get up to go to the bathroom I can't go I, I, I'm so damn scared. <laughs> I sit there and I look back and they it, it's like the gauntlet. I got to run and get the hell out of that bathroom. <laughs> and I, I honestly was, I hadn't been that scared in a long time. And I got out of there, obviously alive. But I think uh, the second half 
starts and it was it just continued from the first half and by the end of the end of the game I took my I took my Jerry Rice jersey off and put it underneath my undershirt because I didn't want to hear anymore it I mean it was they lit them up and you know they obviously went on no, to the with Super friends Bowl. like but, John oh I know why do you Thank need you enemies right but it was uh <laughs> it was a frightening moment but it's good to tell a story like that now. With that being said, I better take one of these down. Excuse me. Edit this out, Denny. <laughs> so one, one tidbit um, from that uh, Giants game in the uh, 1991. It was right after. Uh, I came across this doing a little research for the show, prep for the show. But that was right after Desert Storm had kicked off. And... Um, Whitney Houston did the national anthem. Oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, that one, but uh, and everybody does. It was a, a just a, unanimously the greatest version of that song ever sung. What I didn't know about it was she released that version of what she did at the stadium. Released it as a, a single, and it charted at number twenty. In really, the single the national anthem. Wow. She re-released it after nine eleven. And it made it to number 10, or 6, on the uh, Billboard Top 100. So twice, the national anthem from that game charted on the Billboard Top charts. That's impressive to me. Yeah. A song like I'd that. Especially uh, the year again after 9-11. So, you know. Yeah. And so that, that, that was... 21 uh, years later. Yeah. Or excuse me, 11 years. Yeah. And 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 not to sound anti-American, but that's no banger. Like that's not one of those songs that you just crank up, right, for a drive. Yeah. So <laughs> it it really has to resonate for people to go out and purchase it enough, right. to for it to go on to the. Uh, oh, I remember. I remember you know. singing that, and I believe they had all the 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 flags out on the field, and it was the it was the, one the, of the, the big huge ones, hundred right? yard one. Yeah. 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 But it, yeah, that, and that's... <laughs> Cause that's yeah, that's not that's not your right. roll down your windows, go for a drive. Right. Listen, you know. <laughs> so the fact that people are purchasing it at the, at that level um, shows how how impressive. Right. All right, it gets a little a little tougher to narrow it down now, and you get into the two thousand Z, the uh, era of blowout after blowout um, is uh, dissipating as we head into the uh, uh, new millennial. Uh, so, so the uh, uh, Rams in the '90s, and then you get into um, the 2000s. Now, the first one was a blowout, and that was that uh, Ray Lewis Baltimore team getting over the uh, Giants that had no business being in the Super Bowl that year. It's how they managed to get that far was uh, impressive to me. But, but uh, the Ravens took care of business, and then. Uh, then we get a, a few games in a row that, that are a little bit closer. Uh, Tampa Bay blows out uh, the Raiders in, in a couple of years. But So where do you end up in the 2000s? Uh, what do you got? So for me, in a very similar, you don't necessarily like the team. You kind of like the team. But you really liked a player on it was the Super Bowl 43. And getting to see Kurt Warner get back into the Super Arizona. Bowl with the Cardinals where... I was rooting for them, and that one was... The, so when the Rams lost to the Patriots, and you get Tom Brady gets his first one, and that's that's another standout one because that is the start of an absolute football dynasty that may never, ever be touched ever again. That one shocked me. 
that was just like, I can't believe that we just lost that game. When the the Cardinals lost, that one hurt. I was like, man, I really wanted that for Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. wanted that. And when Heinz Ward, that catch, you can throw it up against any, you, the helmet, the whatever you want. Heinz Ward getting his two toenails scraping across green grass as he's falling out of bounds for the win was... Was it, was it Heinz Ward? Wasn't it Heinz Ward? I think it was... I don't know. Oh, maybe it wasn't. It was San Antonio Holmes. San Antonio Holmes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. But just... It was... That was... It was... An I, I watched catch. it I was like, there's no way. No, it wasn't a catch. They showed it in slow motion. I'm like, it's not a catch. They showed it in slow motion again. I'm like, it's not a catch. They showed it zoomed in in slow motion. I was like, holy shit, it was a catch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, how did yeah, he his, his, get um, his toes in? His feet never left the ground. Yeah. Tip-toe. Uh, catch. It's, yeah. A, it's amazing to me. It um, was... I, I have that game as my runner-up for the, the deck here. I, and it, and, I was just going to say, in just with how the receivers in general can you see them making them plays oh, yeah. with they get both Dead feet in legs and they drag with it with the ball it's how do they do that i mean that's just that's well, got to be practice. Oh, you're, obviously you're repetition they have <laughs> and, drills that they teach them that but to execute it in that kind right. of situation yeah. the last you know drive of a super bowl like that i I had question marks after that greatest catch ever in, in super bowl it's, it's like that would be hard to top. Lynn Swan had a couple um, Odell Beckham-type catches, right. if you will. He, he kind of started that um, way back then. But, but that catch by, by Santana uh, Holmes, uh, right. Holmes was, uh, was phenomenal. One thing that always jumped out, and I've, I've probably shared this story with you guys is on, on that, that Arizona team, is um, I, I randomly... Yeah, this was when I was driving to work every day, long before my work at home days here. But um, I, every now and then I'd be in the car at lunchtime and I'd pop the radio on and I caught Dan Patrick interviewing Kurt Warner before um, the season. This was like in August, um, before the season, uh, uh, and, and talking to Kurt Warner. And he asked him, are you a Hall of Famer? And uh, Kurt's uh, modest reply was, not for me to decide. That's you guys to decide that, Dan. I have no control over that other than how I perform on the field. He said, so I'll ask you, my Hall of Famer. <laughs> and so Dan Patrick says, yeah, you, to me, Kurt, you're one of these borderline guys. Um, you had a phenomenal run with the Rams. And then uh, uh, a couple of years of injury and stuff and and." It's the longevity there. You got a late start because of your 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 story and everything. He's like, I says, but I'll tell you what. If you get this team to the Super Bowl, you're a Hall of Famer. And so, so I always remember that. Uh-huh. Three days after the Super Bowl, again, by chance, I'm in the car again. And I pop on the Dan Patrick show. He's got Kurt Warner on there, and he played what he said on on that show, and. Uh, uh, comes out of, out of the uh, commercial break or out of the uh, uh, intro there, the tape he's playing. He says, "So you, my friend, earned yourself a Hall of Fame. I'll stick my word. You, you're a definite Hall of Famer to take two franchises like the Woeful Rams and the Woeful Cardinals mm-hmm. um, and, and do what you did with them uh, in the manner you did it with." Uh, and and that, that that Cardinal game, 
he won that game. He yeah. won that game. Right. It was over. You knew that they. he just locked it up. You were like, oh, my God. Yeah, he did and have the, the one bad play at the end of the first half. Um, yeah. So, so, and that was the uh, lineman that ran the interception back 100 yards yeah. um, for, for Pittsburgh. Um, but phenomenal game. Not number one in the in the decade in my mind. I don't. Did you have one? My, yeah, and that it's a personal story too. But it was, I mean, to me, in two thousand, it's I believe the 07 season. Is it 07 or 08? The uh, Giants over the New England Patriots. Yeah. The, ca- the, the, the helmet, the head the, catch, the, but that yeah. going into the Super Bowl, Patriots are undefeated, and the Giants were. And this is where it starts my story. Like your uh, brother-in-law, Kevin, placing that bet with you back in September, my mom went out to Vegas with her boyfriend at the time, and I gave her money, and I said, call me when you get out there. I, I'm going to look at a few things, and I want you to put some, if you could, go put some money on some of these teams that I think might win the Super Bowl. And in early, mid to late September, it was September, Giants were like, two and three they weren't good and I was trying to look for high odds I was trying to look for you know the lottery if you will so I said she said it it says here it's a hundred to one for the Giants to win I said okay put five bucks on it so on and so forth and I put a couple I put some on the Niners and maybe a couple other teams but she brought the tickets home and I had them in the envelope that I can't remember exactly which sports book she was at, but it was in my nightstand. And then as the season kept going, Giants kept getting a little better, obviously, yada, 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 and then they make the playoffs. And I'm like, you know, I'm with Twilight. I'm like, hey, you know, I got that. I got the Giants, you know, five five bucks on 100 to 1. I said, I don't think they, they're going to do much. And they make it to the NFC Championship game. I believe against the Packers, and it's like negative. I don't know. It's freezing that game, isn't it? Is that that's who yeah. they played right to get the Super Bowl? It was the really cold, <laughs> and the kicker, which I can't think of his name right now, kicks that uh, game. Was it at the buzzer game-winning field goal, or there was it overtime? Tines. Tines. And I mean, he's. I remember him saying at at, at an interview, it was like kicking a freaking cinder block. It was. Cold. I mean, it was just a frigid, frigid night in Green Bay, like a super sub zero game, like yeah, ice bowl. Yeah, yeah. he kicks a, a game winning field goal. Twenty four wind chill. That'll do it. But anyway, they get to the Super Bowl, and I'm and I'm thinking, well, I gotta face the freaking undefeated Patriots. I'm like, this ain't happening. And we were at your house, seven oh four. And obviously, the uh, I, I one of the greatest catches I think. In Super Bowl, that uh, pinning that ball against the helmet—that's that's, got to be up there, one of the best. Yeah. And I mean, I was a Giants fan, as you heard me say earlier. I hate the Giants. I still hate the Giants. But when I got five bucks on a hundred to one, I'm thinking, I'll go Giants. Anyway, <laughs> obviously they win. I'm ecstatic. We're jumping up and down and blah blah blah. And Twilight's like, "You sure you got that ticket?" And I'm like, "Oh God!" Then I started doubting myself. I'm like, "That thing better be in my drawer." Go home, open the drawer. I look at it. I'm like, oh my god. And she's like, what? And I'm like, pinch me real quick. And she pinched me. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, this says 200 to one. 
<laughs> five bucks on 201, <laughs> I want a thousand bucks. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so then I'm so excited because Twyla and I are, we, we weren't quite married yet. And you know, we're basically living paycheck to paycheck and uh, trying to make ends meet. So I'm like, I gotta send this in the mail. I gotta get my freaking money. Send it in the mail. Remember, I remember coming over to your house and I'm like, yep, send it in the mail. And, and you're like, did you get it? Uh, yeah. What what you you asked me if I got it uh, insured, insured or something like that, yeah. and I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and I'm like, what? And he's like, well, I hope it doesn't get lost in the mail. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> well, sure enough, I got the money. The money showed up, but I mean that that just to me was one of the greatest Super Bowls in the 2000s. Well, I, I had with, it number one because in my mind, that team was the greatest team ever. The Patriots. Patriots. Oh, yeah. The Patriots right. That's, was phenomenal right. that season. What they were doing with Randy Moss mm. was just toying with people. They were killing and, them and, every and, game. And it, it just, it, I just could not fathom uh, they uh, uh, lose to the Giants. And, uh, you know, tip of the hat to Steve Spagnuolo. Um, he was crap here in St. Louis. But, man, that was that was a phenomenal game plan he had against them. And, they and to come out with that victory um, against them was was in my mind just mind-boggling. Right. Hey, I still when when people ask who was the greatest team ever, I want to say that team, but I can't say it because they lost that game. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost that game to 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 the Giants. Who would you say then? Well. I, would you go with the Dolphins just because they finished the whole season undefeated? Well, no, not as the greatest team ever. I, I kind of lean towards that, that Bears team in '85, but but um, if if I had to push came to shove, I, I want to say that Patriots team, but, but they that that's just such an, a a mark on them, and they didn't win it all. So mm-hmm. so it's like I, yeah. I can't quite pull the trigger for. I kind of felt that. that way about the the two thousand one. Rams, if they would have beat the Patriots, I, they would have been. Yeah, they were putting they were putting that up one gaudy numbers. That still. one didn't they shock me as much, and and here, here's why: because early in the season they played the Patriots at yeah. New England, and uh, I remember the post game press conference with Mike Martz, and he said, "Folks, that was a Super Bowl caliber team we played tonight." Um, yeah. I trust you; it would not shock me. Um, if we play them again, um, and so so I I remember March saying that, and so that was always in the back of my mind um, heading into the postseason. Was yeah, I hope we don't play New England there. But so 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 that one didn't shock me as much for for that reason. Um, this one stunned me because by then Brady's already established himself and he's doing things. I mean with with Moss that um, you know. You saw from time to time with Jerry Rice, whether it's with Montana or Young, uh, just toying with people. But Moss is such a freak show that, mm-hmm. that it was uh, almost not fair. And so, so when uh, the Giants pulled that off, I, I just had to tip my hat to them and uh, sure. uh, what they did there. Other games well, in that that day, there was a, a few good ones. Um, uh, I think I got you. Got to jump back then. Just I think two years later. Did the Giants beat the Patriots again? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Eli even Eli gave, he <laughs> gave, he gave that parting shot when Brady yeah. Brady announced his retirement. He he said something about appreciate you letting me get a couple in there All right. against you. Yeah. I, I don't remember the the game per se, but I just remember 
the Eli Manning and the Giants come because the Patriots had to be dominant again that year. Yeah, that's the next decade before we jump to that. Oh, one. that was. Yeah, yeah, it was the the 2011 season. Yeah, 2012 Super Bowl, 2011 season. Oh shoot, that was when they beat the yeah. Niners. I thought that was on. Oh, oh, 09 was like you said. I do. I do remember. I was rooting for Kurt Warner that you, year. You look at the back-to-back -back Super Bowls the Patriots had against Carolina and Philadelphia, each by three points, um, in in the mid in 04 and 05. And so, uh, you got the Colts and uh, uh, Peyton getting his first Super Bowl uh, against the Levy Smith's Bears. Steelers remember how that game started Cardinals, off? By the, the way, Saints over the Colts. Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers getting his his ring, and uh, you know that's kind of interesting to me on Rodgers. You know, you say you you set your legacy by getting a getting a ring, and he got his ring, but he did it so early in his career, and he hasn't been back since then. He's starting to take a hit and getting that that choke um, uh, persona assigned to him. Mm -hmm. and, hey, I don't think that's fair. I, I think Rodgers is in the conversation of the greatest ever, but. But uh, it's happening. People are, are saying that, you know, like he, he here's a guy who can't win the big one. Uh, well, yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he's lost the big one a lot more times than, right. than he cares to. But I don't know that you you, you ding his uh, a career. So a good decade um, in the 2000s. Any other thoughts on the 2000s? I was just going to say, um, do you remember how that Bears-Colts game started off? Do you remember offhand? Didn't Devin Hester run a opening yeah. kickoff? Yeah, ran the opening kickoff. Opening yeah. kickoff, seven nothing Bears right away. I'm like, oh boy, because I was rooting for Peyton. I, I obviously I, I like Peyton Manning yeah, a lot. I'm glad he got his win. But you know, and the thing about Devin Hester is, uh, by the time this airs, he might be a Hall of Famer. He, is he, he up this year? He's in the count. He's yeah, one of the finalists, um, along with Tory Holt, who's. Uh, uh, How is he still not in there? Yeah, he, he should get in this year, I, I, I'm thinking, but uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, Marvin Harris, no, Reggie Wayne is the other receiver. Um, not that they limit it to one, but, but right. uh, typically they kind of segregate that stuff. Um, so we'll see. I uh, uh, find out Thursday night um, of, uh, of this week. But uh, Devin Hester, you don't see those uh, uh, special team players get the get the nod like that, and for him to just make it this far mm -hmm. uh, is impressive enough. But it shows the kind of uh, dominance he had as a a return guy. So we get to the 2010s and beyond. We'll take this all the way up to this year, our, our last season. But um, I have a couple that jump out at me. Justin, you got something there? Uh, once once we get past the the. Once you get into the 2010s, it, it really, for me, is just... I, I liked seeing Peyton Manning getting his second when he went to Denver. Um, that was that was nice. I, I always liked Peyton Manning, so watching him do it with the second team was really cool. Um, the Seahawks had a couple great teams in there. Just really great teams. Um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think they whoop the crap out of Manning once and then it took him a couple of years to get back there and, and, and win it. But it was, uh, there's a couple really good Seahawks team in, the, in there. Uh, and then, uh, Patriots, what, every other year? Um, yeah. Pretty much. So, that's, yep. um, oh, go ahead. They lost twice too. Yeah, I always liked when they lost. 
ones that stick out to me. Well, I'll throw well, them out there. The, the one, the one that most stands out is the Patriots and the Falcons. The right, comeback for Brady. Right. I mean, how did that happen? That was oh my yeah. God! The Falcons are going to win. And I mean, and you had the come, own, you had the owner come out of the owner's box at halftime. He was so sure. I think Twilight was in tears. I was kind of feeling bad for the. I mean, this old owner sitting up there is going to get his. Fr- I mean, he, he was in his eighties. I think yeah. he looked. The, uh, and it was just at the end of the third quarter. Towards the end of the third quarter, Falcons had a ninety-nine point eight percent chance. Right. Of winning. I, I uh, just and, uh, and so that's that's the I did. you know mind-boggling thing. Um, and, and you know we mentioned that San Antonio Holmes catch. Julian Edelman had a fantastic catch in mm-hmm. there, if you recall that. Right. Uh, how that ball did not touch the ground um, was amazing. On uh, his catch to keep a drive alive for for uh, New England. Right. Is that the one that uh, bounced game. off him? It hit him, bounced off, and he still pulled it before it hit the ground. It hit. It bounced off a, a defender. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. It hit him, bounced off a defender. And he caught it before it hit the ground. Yeah, he was like pulling it, like it yeah. looked like he lifted off, lifted it off the ground, but it, it didn't. Obviously, they, didn't they even in in in, uh, in the break there, as they went to commercial and said this one will be overturned uh, <laughs> after review, and then they come back and they were shocked. They're like unbelievable. Right, the play stands. Watch this, and they get the super close up of the of the ball just. Barely missing the ground, and uh, he held on to it. It makes me think of uh, a clip I just watched a little bit ago of uh, Tyreek Hill in the end zone. Uh, He went for the catch. Defender got his hand in there, bounced up into the air. They both hit the ground and turned over. The ball came down into Tyreek Hill's hand, and he went. And then stood up and dropped the ball, and they... Didn't challenge it. He didn't think he caught it. Nobody, they didn't call it a touchdown. They ended up reviewing it. I guess it was under whatever the time yeah, was. Two minutes. They were like, that was a touchdown. And when they were looking at the thing, it's like, whoa, yeah. I, I, I did catch that. Just because it was such a fluke. I mean, not same scenario, but yeah. I, I just saw that clip earlier today and was like, oh. Yeah. Hey, he's a guy. He's another one that is like a one hit wonder. Uh, never really heard anything from uh, aside from. Uh, Who's that? Uh, not Tyreek Hill. Um, oh. um, the uh, um, guy. Elvin? Oh, oh the, uh, the Giants. Catch. The helmet um, catch. Tyreek. I just said his da- name. David that? Tyree. Yeah. That, Tyree. That was, that's that's who I thought you were talking about. You were oh, talking he about was Tyree. a flash in the pan right there. Yeah. That was Ty- it. Tyree was the flash in the pan. There was another Super Bowl guy. I meant to talk about it in the 90s. But I don't know if you remember Timmy Smith. Uh, running back for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, I do. He was a rookie. Didn't even get into a game until like week nine. Ended up starting the, the last few games of the season and, and uh, ran for 205 yards in the Super Bowl um, in the early 90s that the Redskins won. Um, 82. 92. Oh, no, 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 he was the 88 one, wasn't he? And, and so that was his only claim to fame. Right. He got bad advice from an agent, held out after the, that, his rookie season, and uh, sat out of camp. And uh, by week six, he wasn't in the starting lineup. And by week 12, he never t- touched the ball again. And um, got released after the season. A couple teams took a cup of coffee with him. He ended up doing drugs, been 
Yeah, bound up, ended up in Damn. jail, but but he. You gotta appreciate yeah. what you got in your line. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you you can't. Uh, these the players always play with all the confidence in the world, and they have all the confidence in the world in themselves, and that's great. But sometimes you just gotta think. Maybe I'm not that good. Right. Maybe those guys up front are doing their job. Well, that's well the enough thing to, with Washington. To... That's exactly what they're doing. I mean, the yeah. Hogs is one of the oh, yeah. um, famous um, yeah. lines in, in football. Yeah. Can we go? I, I was just going to say something. That's what I was wanting to say, but I'm, I'm rewinding back to the 80s. When the Bears won that Super Bowl and they were, you know, this pop culture team and stuff like this. I know we've talked about this before. Do you remember they had a traveling basketball team? Did you hear about this? It was kind of like some of their backups. They would go from like community to community, and they would say, you know, they'd be like a fundraiser, uh-huh. and they'd play against the best local teams and stuff like this. They were in Highland. Yeah. Do you, do you remember ever hearing the, they no. played at the Highland High School? And that was before we were here. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably '86 when they were playing. You know. And uh, so they brought like some of the Highland legends out of retirement, and they, the the gym was packed. Um, I actually think my dad either either was played or was like on standby or something, or maybe even ref. I don't remember, but I remember they they all went out after the game. But they were my dad was just. I remember telling me stories. Was there a Bortz? There was a Bortz that played for the Redskins, wasn't there? I like got Dave Bortz. But. Dave no. Butts. Okay, what about a Bortz? B-O-R-T-Z? That name kept... It's B-U-T-Z. Dave Butts. He's Butts? from Belleville. Okay. Yeah. Was, did he ever play for the Bears? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, Redskins. Okay. Yeah. Well, these were... I'm talking about the Bears. I, I just remember him talking about... They like, like went to Michael's restaurant afterwards, and Guy Michael like wined and dined him. And if you're ever in there, there, there are a few photos. Pictures. Yeah. And one is... Uh, uh, the Rams' former coach Jeff uh, Fisher. Fisher, yeah, because Fisher was on that. He was a defensive back on that eighty-five team. Te- yeah. Eighty-five team, and yeah, the, the, it was just a crazy thing. Like the, that's amazing. They Mark Bortz, very good. B O R T Z. He was a left guard. Thank you on that team. But I remember my dad talking about that. And I guess they drank some beers together. I mean, these guys were big three. That was common for teams to do that. The football Cardinals had a traveling basketball team. They used to go really and do and do fundraisers too. Yeah. But I, I just remember him coming home, or I, I was probably sleeping. I remember waking up the next morning and him just talking about how big these guys were. Yeah. And it sounded like a pretty cool time. But yeah, I, that's what I wanted to talk. I, Talk about when we were talking about the '80s, when we were talking about the '85 yeah. team. Sorry, I got off track. There. No, that's fine. That's where were we? Uh, Patriots and Falcons. 30 years, 30 years <laughs> I actually did have that Falcons. Uh, I mean, uh, Patriots Falcons game is uh, number one for that decade. The Seahawks Patriots was the other one, and the uh, um, the great defensive play, but just as bad offensive call at the end of the game when Malcolm Butler intercepts at the yep. one yard line. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch at the yep. in yeah. the backfield. Everybody's expecting it, which is probably why they made the call. Um, and, and and I'm not, I don't think it's the worst call ever. Um, but Butler just made a great play too. Right. I mean, that, I, um, and and what really stands out about me on that play was uh, Brady's reaction on the sideline. He just he looked like a giddy little ten year old that that just couldn't believe what just happened. Uh, uh, those two games jump out at me a little bit. Both Patriot wins. 
Um, they did suffer the loss to the Giants um, that you started to touch on, another Eli uh, nightmare for, for New England. Mm -hmm. And then um, um, they lost to the Eagles later in the uh, decade. But the Nick Foles, the Nick Foles game. The Nick Foles uh, game, yeah, team. And then, uh, But they rebounded the next year and beat the Rams. And so, so uh, certainly a dominant era, like you yeah. said, Justin, kicking off with the Super Bowl win over the Rams. Um, gets us into Sunday's game um, coming up. Uh, a couple things, uh, uh, thoughts on that game for me. It reminds me that the matchup is very similar to this game in 1985. Super Bowl number two for Joe Montana. Talking about against the Dolphins? Against the Dolphins. To me, this game's uh, very similar in, in nature. You got a, a young Dan Marino going against a veteran at this point in, in Joe Montana, season what seven or eight for him. And um, um, Marino setting the world on fire has a phenomenal second season, has his team in the Super Bowl, and uh, going up against a savvy veteran in, in Joe Montana and. The, tried and true San Francisco 49ers. Here we got Joe Burrow coming in in, in season two. Ha actually had some uh, uh, comparable, not as, as dominating numbers as Marino, but Marino went just over 5,000 yards. Burrow was just under. Um, Burrow had 1,000 yards in his last two games. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, you know, that it, it, it's um, incredible stuff what he's doing with the, with the Bengals right now. But you got a, a Rams team that was just there a couple of years ago uh, against New England, and a lot of the same players, a uh, very veteran team. Um, you look at their defense, um, and if you, if, you, if you quiz some people, you might get the answer to these questions. Who's the best defensive back in the last um, seven to ten years? Jalen Ramsey is going to be the answer in some people's minds. Who's the best linebacker in the last seven to ten years? Von Miller is going to be the, the answer in a lot of people's minds. Who's the best defensive player, much less lineman, um, in history? <laughs> That's how much I think of Aaron Donald. But you got three studs like this on defense, that, um, um, and uh, you know two dominating pass rushers in Donald and Miller going up against an offensive line that, that can't protect uh, Joe Burrow. At all. <laughs> so if Burrow comes out of this uh, victorious, it'll be uh, that'll elevate him into a stratosphere that is reserved for I, very few. My, my feeling is if if Joe Burrow comes out comes out with a win, somebody on that defensive one of those defenders that you're talking about, at least one of them got hurt. <laughs> I just I don't see a way well, that he isn't on his butt at least seven times. Well, they, they'll come up with the quick release type passes for him, but... but well, wait, he, he was still put on his butt six times right. in the last one and five times. He but threw he, for 1,000 yards, he got, but he got, he got sacked double digits. He got <laughs> sacked nine times against the Titans yeah. in that opening playoff game and still won. Yeah. That's where I was going to say he still may end up getting his butt kicked, but he they found He's a way tough. to win. Yeah, yeah they do. And, uh, and they got talent at the skill positions. Uh, yeah. That helps. You got a, a running back in Joe Mixon who's as is, is good as there is week in, week out now. He, he's Mr. Consistent. Um, and, they do have, they do have uh, the Bengals have what? They, they'll have home field advantage based out of number of people rooting for him at that stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
yeah, in LA. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And they're going against on the offensive side. Now, Matt Stafford isn't uh, Joe Montana by any stretch, but he he um, can cement uh, the so-called legacy with a victory, right? You suffer in Detroit, just a, uh, the, the one franchise more miserable than anything St. Louis experienced. Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, he, he, he had winning he, years that took him to the playoffs with Calvin Johnson. Yeah. And then he's gone, and you give him absolutely nothing yeah, to work really with for right. seven you years, eight retread years. Retread after retread, you yep. throw out there at receiver farm, and then. You know, so so he, he gets a, an ideal setup with the Rams, and he's performed. You know, he's he's done well. He hasn't been, um, you know, Brady good or anything like that. But but he gets a win Sunday. That that cements his legacy. He gets in that Hall of Fame conversation. Um, you know, so so it's a it's a big matchup. It, it's an intriguing matchup in in that regard. Um, I just don't know that Cincinnati has the firepower on defense to stop the Rams. you got a machine like Cooper Cup. Man, what a phenomenal um, season he's had. Um, I, I don't know how they stop, uh, how they slow that down. You can't take the run game away from the Rams. They, they're hurting there. Uh, so so maybe you, you come up with some kind of scheme in that regard. But it uh, should, should be fun. I, I think uh, the Burrow... Uh, against that defense angle will be will be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, even like you were saying, Cooper Cup, if they center on Cooper Cup, I mean, you got Odell Beckham Jr. You got, I mean, even their third receiver, I think is Jefferson. Jefferson. He's not a bad receiver at all. Uh, Higby, the tight end, I mean, they, they've got the weapons as well. I mean, it's going to be tough, like you say, but... But then, I don't know. It just I thought maybe you were gonna compare not that he not that Burrow came out and guaranteed a win. I thought maybe you were gonna compare it to the Joe Namath. You know, he's kinda got that cocky attitude. And Namath, I don't know if he was always ever that cocky. Cause I mean, even if cocky's the wrong word, he's confident. Joe Burrow's confident. He's proven right. it in right. college and he's here today, yeah, one impressive know. stat. He's never lost a postseason game with Jamar Chase. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so again, like the, the Bengals got some offensive firepower too. They've got three. They're loaded at receiver. Receiver, and they and they got a, a it, good complimentary run game. Is uh, their tight end healthy? It, I can't remember U- how to. Uzma, no, yeah, he went out during the yeah, championship right. game yeah, with a knee I'm injury. Not, I'm not sure if he's playing or not. He was, but he was. He's a top five tight end, I think, if you look at his yeah. stats. I mean, yeah. he was up there too. So, man, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be a – is it going to be a shootout? Like they thought the Patriot-Rams game was a couple of years ago when it ended up being, what, 13 to yeah, 9 or 3? Yeah, it was yeah. – man, it was just a – it was a dud yeah, as far as offensive. Season. But I, I, I think – Personally, obviously, I've never been a big Rams fan, obviously being a Niners fan. Um, and the Niners losing to the Rams just a week ago or a week and a half ago. I, I'm pulling for the Bengals. And I, I, not that I don't think it can't happen. I mean, they, they could win. Um, it's going to be tough, obviously, being in, in L.A. too. Or if you're going for predictions, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go Bengals. You're picking them. I'm gonna pick the Bengals. Picking with his heart. I'm picking with my I, heart. I, you know what? I, 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 
I'm, I'm the same boat that I really want the Bengals to win. I really do. I like a lot of players on the Rams. Um, I don't want to see Stan Kroenke holding up a trophy. I don't want to see Stan That's Kroenke. exactly where the, I, I struggle. I know. mean, the only way, if the, the Rams win, my only hope is that Stan Kroenke's toupee falls off the stage <laughs> and he falls off of it trying to grab it. And and that's on TV. I would is it I, that be, I would love to see. Is it going to be the OJ? You want to see the OJ Simpson and the naked gun and the how he bobbles down? Remember <laughs> that scene? Step on the way down. I'm fine with that. Yeah. That's that's fine. Me and every soccer fan in in England, um, and and every football fan in St. Louis would would love to see him take a a, a tumble falling after his toupee. Um, he's a miserable human being. And so, <laughs> so who you gotta pick? I, I I am picking the Rams, but man, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I struggle there too. I mean, I I've made no secret about who my favorite player is the last few years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Since the day they drafted Aaron right. Donald, I've, I've uh, loved watching the guy play football. Phenomenal player. Um, might actually get Defensive Player of the Year again this year. If, uh, if people do their homework, I vote on it and see how much that guy gets double teamed. Um, it it, it uh, should change the game as far as how you think about him. But but uh, he's phenomenal. Uh, my second favorite player right now is Cooper Cup, and and just the more stories I read about him and, and the way he puts his men's of mind to to how he he works out and. And uh, strategizes each route that he runs. He's he's a applied science to a position that has never had science applied to it before, like like yeah. that. And uh, he's gaining unfair advantages against uh, their the coach fingers. is a bit of a savant too. I mean, he is it's, uh, it's, uh, Sean McVay. Uh, right. You know, he's among my favorite coaches out there. I don't know enough about Zach Taylor to say that about him yet, but uh, he seems to be doing things right there. There was an interview with McVay where they played. Uh, uh, tell, tell me, what, oh, yeah. tell me what happens next, and they gave. He's got a photographic memory right, for, for, for the plays that, play he's that he's called. And when I was talking, when I was telling, I played it for for my wife, and and she's watching the video clip, and when she's done, she's like, "Why would he remember that?" And it's like, "Well, one." He probably created those plays. Mm -hmm. Two, he probably called those plays. And three, he probably studied those situations to know when to call those plays all week leading into that. So when that situation arose, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to do. So as soon as they give him, hey, there's four minutes to go, you're here, and it's against this team, he's already studied that scenario. He's already made the play call, and he's already created the play most likely, or, or he's at least seen it a thousand times. It's like it's not crazy that he remembers all those. It's 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 the detail it's, with which yeah. he remembers. So it. so what? And and I'll I'll pick the Rams as well. And I, I try to separate that off field stuff with with Cronky and uh, even try to justify and saying that it was just business. The guy's nothing but a businessman. Uh, has no heart and soul for anything outside of. Uh, right. How to make it truly so, so I try to, <laughs> and he's probably not that much different from whoever owns the Bengals or any other owner yeah. out there as far as that yeah. goes. So, so it's like uh, I try to separate that and remove it because uh, um, it, it, it's not a an attachment so much with them because I had season tickets with them 
uh, as much as it is, I just like the the players on that mm-hmm. team. Uh, they're, they're they're a fun team to watch. A fun team to on watch on both and, sides of the ball, and that doesn't yeah. happen very often with the yeah. And, and so, so I like it, it's kind of even their offensive line. You got Whitworth, um, who, who played for what fifteen years with the Bengals um, when the Rams signed him as a thirty six year old a few years ago. He's the first guy to be older than both head coaches in a game. <laughs> He'll be 40 wow. years old, and uh, both head coaches are in their 30s. I know, it's nuts. And, and, and uh, it's even more amazing is the head coach of the Bengals was an assistant for the younger head coach of the Rams. And so it's a, it's a young man's game, and, and uh, it seems to be um, trending that way in the coaching profession, too. So, so it's a... Uh, it'll be a fun Super Bowl. I, I I don't know. You never know to expect a blowout or not. I think if there is a blowout, it's the Rams blowing out oh, the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, I think but, so too. but I think Cincinnati's uh, talent. You don't get this far without being talented enough to to hang around with a, a, a team like the Rams. Any final thoughts, guys? Um, appreciate you jumping on board here on episode number one of uh, From the Bench with Ditch. Um, we'll have some more. Um, potpourri of Americana and pop culture coming your way. Um, hopefully to get an episode out a week, maybe every two weeks to, to get things rolling. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Give, a, uh, give us some feedback if I have it working on the website. You'll know once you're out there if I do uh, by then, but uh, give us some feedback. Tell us what you think. Tell us how stupid we are. Tell us how brainiac we are, how smart and insightful we are. Uh, uh, and if you'd like uh, us to plug your products, yeah, <laughs> Venmo me. Uh. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's that's to come. We'll we'll stick with Shannon Ray Photography for now as our our sponsor. Um, so so there you go. Um, thanks again, and I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you again on From the Bench with Dench. This has been From the Bench with Dench. I'm your host, Denny Ditch Rittenhouse, and thanks for joining us and hope you tune in again.